art can mean different things to different people. For me, it's all about the joy of creating. So if you draw, paint, write, dance, sing, craft, play air guitar, or even sculpt using nothing but mashed potatoes, consider yourself an artist and join the conversation. For the next half hour, meet the artist, learn about their inspiration, and enjoy the beauty of creativity. Welcome to Art Talk with John Cole Artist. Well, good evening, everyone, and welcome to Art Talk with John Cole Artist. Well, tonight I'm going to be going solo. Uh, what I wanted to do was speak a little bit about my experiences with gingerbread. Now, I don't know if gingerbread is a artistic medium that many of you folks really think about using uh, for, create, for creating things. Uh, but believe it or not, it, it really is. It's uh, very obviously a sculptural type process. There's the art of baking involved. There's the art of decorating involved. And there's really this art of planning, which is something that the older I get, the more I realize I really like is the planning and the problem solving portion of pretty much everything that I do uh, in the art world. Uh, but gingerbread's something special. Uh, this year, uh, actually, this is it's either the fourth or fifth year that uh, I made a submission for the Drake at Massachusetts Rode uh, Rodeo Rotary Annual Gingerbread House Contest. Uh, this is the fourth or fifth year. I'm pretty sure it's the fifth year. And, you know, last year I did the Eiffel Tower and I was fortunate enough to pull into first place on that. But the Eiffel Tower was such a, a major construction for me to build, right? Because it had multiple tiers, it had height, and it had these, these amazing lights that I put on there. And the question was, well, how was I going to do better than that, right? And of course, with us artists, you know, we do something that we really appreciate. And of course, we want to make sure that the next thing that we do is also a little bit better, if not as good. And of course, this year with the contest was no different. So the question was, what was I going to do? And I think that that's a question that that a lot of people have relative to, you know, anything that they do, right? We always want to do something that we're, that we're going to be proud of, uh, recognizing that despite our best efforts, things are never going to be perfect. Uh, as much as we try, uh, perfection is something that I that we kind of strive for, but the fact is there's always these, these unintentional or unanticipated things that arrive that might throw you off track. And it's important for us to be resilient enough to be able to bounce back. And I think with my gingerbread this year, that was no different. I ran into some issues. Um, I ran into some, some problems that I had to pretty much think on my feet in order to resolve, in order to end up with a successful product. So, so although not all of you will be watching this uh, as far as video, you might be listening to it on Spotify. I'll do the best I can to talk through it, but I do want to go through some some images of my process uh, that I used this year to develop my gingerbread entry. Uh, first of all, I want to say thank you, Christine, my wife who's watching. Hello, beautiful soul. Thank you, Christine. Uh, Christine also participated in the contest this year, um, and she did very, very well. Let's just put it that way. Uh, so, so let's talk about this. Now, you know, when you're when you're thinking about creating something from scratch, the first thought is, what do I want to create? Right, right. And I kind of alluded to that a second ago. I wanted to do something that was better than, different than, uh, whatever word you want to use, uh, than my Eiffel Tower from last year. And you know what struck me, and this this was an idea that really kind of came out of nowhere, and that was to do an airplane. 
Uh, people have done air, uh, gingerbread airplanes before, so it's nothing new. However, uh, I had never tried anything like that, and I was really interested to see if I could do it. Now, along with that is what type of airplane would I want to do? Would I want to do like a Cessna style with just a, you know, a fixed set of wings? Did I want to do some something bigger like a C-130 like the Coast Guard uses uh, or what? And of course, the biplane came to mind. Uh, biplanes are interesting, right? If you've ever seen pictures, they've got the dual wings. You've got one on top, one on the bottom. And typically you have a standard propeller. So the first thing that I did uh, was browse the internet for examples because, and I've said this before when it comes to you know, trying to reproduce something from life. If, if you have reference photos, it goes a long way towards helping you achieve your vision. Um, it's no different than a tool that a lot of folks use called a, a vision board, right? If we want to envision ourselves a year from now, we might create a vision board where you might put up words or pictures or those things that, that help remind you of what your goals are and that help you keep, you know, keep you on track uh, towards achieving those goals for the next year. So reference photos are no different. As a matter of fact, in the art world, the graphic design world, they call them mood boards, where you would put in things like color, you know, examples and things like that so that you could refer back to that to make sure that you're on track. So the first thing I needed to do was find uh, something that I could use as my reference. And what I ended up finding was, and I'm going to bring the picture on, on the screen here, what I ended up finding was this black and white uh, line drawing of a biplane. And this, this drawing I liked because you could see the top view, the side view, and of course the front view. And my, my challenge now was, is how was I going to create something like that? Well, one of the things I've learned over the years when it comes to um, anything relative to creating out of food is you know, what, what are you, what food are you going to use? Like, for example, you wouldn't want to build a house out of um, spaghetti noodles that have been boiled because it would all fall apart, right? However, you probably could take hard spaghetti noodles and, and, and make something out of it. As a matter of fact, a lot of children's crafts rely on things like um, spaghetti to, to make different things, right? So the question was, what was I going to use? What formula was I going to use for the gingerbread? Well, I came across it through some research that there is a specific, uh, specific style of gingerbread uh, or a particular, particular combination of ingredients that makes the most robust building material. And they call that construction gingerbread. What's nice about it is it is a very hard, very firm, very useful uh, gingerbread to make your models out of. Uh, what it lacks though is in you know, flavor. It's not something that you would necessarily want to eat. Is it edible? Absolutely. Um, but I'll be honest, it doesn't taste that great. But it's wonderful, wonderful for creating structures out of it. Um, so what I did was I found a recipe for construction gingerbread, and um, uh, we made a batch. And you know, to test it out, to make sure that it was going to work. Now, me being me, I didn't make tests, test runs or anything like that. I just went ahead and I started to construct or design out my model. So what I ended up doing with this drawing here, and let me bring it back up here, is I, is I looked at it and kind of eyeballed the dimension and asked myself, what are the component pieces of this airplane 
that I would need to make in order for it to look like this airplane. And it was really a matter of just drawing it out on a piece of paper and then cutting that out as a template. And then after I rolled out the gingerbread, I would lay the template on the gingerbread and then cut around it and then bake those pieces. Now, what I noticed with even with construction gingerbread is that, you know, with and if you're familiar with baking, you know, this is that things tend to not remain exactly the way you cut them because of the cooking process, you know, and the chemical reactions that happen, they tend to expand a little bit. So what I ended up with were pieces that were slightly larger than I designed. So that really was one of the challenges that I had to overcome was the baking process changed my shapes. So how was I going to respond to that? So this picture that I just threw up here are some of the elements of my airplane. Now, what you're going to notice and when I say elements, folks, this is the pattern that I created. You're going to notice that there's a motor and a propeller that's sitting in the center of the screen. Now, what I what I really wanted to do with this to, to kind of elevate the whole design of this gingerbread was to add in some kind of interactive component. Last year, I had the flashing lights, but they weren't interactive, right? They were, you know, maybe a set of lights that we bought at Marshall's or TJ Maxx or something like that. And they work great, right? The battery-operated lights can provide some phenomenal, you know, enhancements to whatever it is that you're doing. But I wanted to take that one step further, right? I was building an airplane and I thought, well, if I could install a motor into it, that would be pretty darn cool, right? So I ended up buying, I think it was a total of uh, eight motors and propellers uh, through Amazon for like $12. And really what I received was exactly that. I received switches motors, motor mounts. They gave me some wheels in case I was going to actually do a, you know, a, a wooden construction. And then of course, uh, some propellers uh, and, and battery packs to go with it. None of the things of course were connected. So there were no circuits involved, which then of course led me down this other path, which is, you know, I'm not an electronics guy. I, I really don't know if I've ever constructed anything using electronics. So there was a slight learning curve there as well. How was I going to build a circuit? How was I going to connect it? And, and the big question was, is, yeah, I've got this, this, this really cool motor, but how was I going to mount it in gingerbread, right? So that was the big challenge for that. Um, but this picture here just shows the, the design that I started off with. The next picture here is after the baking process, the first round. And, you know, it's kind of hard to see in this picture, but these shapes are not perfect, right? Again, the baking process tends to warp and, and reshape things a little bit. So what you end up with is, well, a close facsimile of what you started with. And now what's what's really funny about this is, you know, these were the pieces and you don't see the, the, the upper and lower wings. I didn't take a picture of those, but I actually did forget to make a couple pieces of the plane. And although um, that could have been an issue it wasn't because I found that when I got to the point of mounting the engine, I actually, or the motor, I actually had to change some of my design anyway. So in a, in a way, it was kind of a good thing that I didn't do those pieces because, well, that left me some some wiggle room there to innovate a little bit and, and really redesign the front. Uh, so the first part, of course, was to make the patterns, cut everything out, you know, and, and really in my mind, I'm still thinking to myself, what is this airplane going to look like? 
The next part, of course, and this this here was a picture of the different piece parts I was talking about um, as far as the motor and the, the electronic, uh, or the electrical or electronic part. Hi, Paula. Paula's on. She says, hi, Santa John. Hi, Paula. Thank you for watching tonight. I appreciate it. Um, but yeah, these were the different components. And the one thing that's not here, by the way, to actually make this thing interactive uh, is a switch. And that was something that I had to consider as well. Because what I wanted with my interactivity was that when anybody walked up to the airplane, they could push a button and have the propeller spin. And then when they took their finger off the button, um, it would stop. And there's a couple of reasons why I wanted to take that approach. The first one was since the cot, since the uh, the open house for the gingerbread in Drake, it ran from 11 o'clock in the morning on Saturday all the way till six or seven o'clock at night, knowing that batteries typically when they're being run constantly wouldn't last that long. Uh, I, I didn't want the batteries to run out too soon. I wanted folks that, that, saw the airplane to have the opportunity to see the motor in action without a dead battery, right? So the switches themselves, I, I talked with my brother-in-law, David Daigle. He was nice enough to point me to something called a momentary switch. So again, relying on Amazon, I think I spent maybe five or $6 and got 12 momentary switches. And what is a momentary switch? It's exactly what it sounds like. If you press that button, it'll make that circuit active. And then when you take your finger off, it's no longer active. So things like this are good for making horns. Like if you had something and you want to make a horn, you know, beep, beep, just push the button, the horn would go off, um, but it wouldn't continually stay on. So this type of switch is exactly what I needed. And in a second, I'll talk to you about the elect the electronic, uh, the electrical portion, the electronic portion. Um, this is the box that I made with the switch included or inserted in there. And I ended up painting up this box and we'll take a look at that in a second. So um, I might as well just talk about the circuit right now. So, you know, if you're not familiar with how electronics works, really uh, the type of circuit that I'm looking at is what's called a series circuit. In other words, um, it's just one big continuous loop. So my challenge was what did I have to hook up to what in, in order that pushing the button would allow that motor to run. And what I ended up doing was um, using a soldering iron, which is not something that I'm used to, but I ended up using a soldering iron. I went downstairs, uh, lined up everything the way that it looked like it should work, tested it and crossed my fingers that it that it worked and it did, and then went ahead and soldered everything together. And, and luckily everything worked. Now, what I didn't plan on, and again, this goes back into you know, remaining resilient uh, when it comes to any sort of creativity is I had built this circuit and soldered all these pieces together in this board with this button. You push the button, the motor went. And then I realized, um, well, I'm going to have to cut the wires because I still had to build the base. You see, I had built this circuit into this box that you see there in this picture not taking into account that I was going to have some landscaping involved in my overall design, which meant that I had no place to put the wires. So sadly, I got the circuit together. It all worked well, and I had to snip the wires at the very last minute in order to build around it and then hook everything back up, and fortunately, it worked. So, But again, when it, when it comes to these types of, of projects, you know, if you get if you get too latched onto the end result, what ends up happening is you you find yourself in a perpetual state of disappointment when things don't go the way that
that you think they should go. And I think that's a really good analogy for life as well. I think that, you know, everything that we do, we need to understand that there's always going to need to be a little bit of wiggle room there because things very rarely go exactly the way they want or the way that you want them to. Uh, but the beautiful thing is, is they all tend to work out the way they should, uh, re, you know, despite how strong, you know, how strongly you're attached to that outcome. So, um, so that was that. Christine, who's online, um, really helped me out a lot when it came to how to connect a gingerbread. If, if you've ever bought a gingerbread kit from the store, and I know many of you have, you know, the, the glue material, the, the the binding that holds all the gingerbread together is typically uh, a white frosting. It's typically a little bit drier than your normal, you know, cake frosting. And when you use the stuff that they give you, which is just sugar, water, and, you know, whatever else they put in there, uh, it tends to harden quickly. And that's why a lot of folks rely on that. But what Christine pointed out, because she's done this before, is that chocolate is much, much stronger than any kind of frosting. So this year I decided to listen to her and use uh, chocolate to connect all my pieces. And I'll be honest with you, if, you know, I'll never go back to using white, white frosting again to connect because it's just, it doesn't give you that rigid, that rigidity that you really need when you're building any kind of structure. So I started putting this together using chocolate. Now it looks messy, but again, all art, all art, regardless of what it is, has an ugly phase. It just does. Oil paintings have an ugly phase. Drawings have an ugly phase. I, I challenge anybody to find anything that doesn't have an ugly phase. But what you really need to understand is that's just what it is. It's just a phase, just like us people, right? We go through these phases in life and, you know, it might be adolescence. It might be later on down the road. Uh, there always is an ugly phase, but the beauty of it is, is if you, if you stay persistent, you stay disciplined and you pretty much stay the course yet remain flexible, you'll end up with a wonderful product. And this of course was my ugly phase. And I had to step back and just keep telling myself, dude, it's going to look better. I promise you. So I started construction uh, with chocolate using those pieces. And if my computer works, I'll show you the next picture here. There we go. This picture right here just shows a different view where now I've added in um, the back tail, the back fin of this airplane. So this is just the back fuselage portion. Uh, one of the things that I didn't anticipate, of course, was the thickness of the gingerbread. I found that uh, the baking, the fact that all the gingerbread had a tendency to rise and expand, uh, I didn't really account too much for the thickness. My measurements were all based on you know, basically a paper thin design, which I don't know what I was thinking, but there, there really is some depth and dimension that you end up with that perhaps you didn't plan on. And that was my case here. But you know something, again, I just let it roll, let it ride, because I knew when it was all going to come together, it would actually look like that thing that I wanted to make. Um, let's see, let's go to the next one. This here, again, is another view of one more stage further. This This shot, I've got the um, bottom wing put on in the background, you can see the upper wing. And of course you can see to the right-hand side of this is my electric circuit. Uh, I've got the black and red wires. I've got the, the, you know, the push me box at the bottom with the, uh, the button. And of course I've got the motor and somewhere along there again, I had to end up snipping, uh, <laughs> snipping the wire because I forgot that I actually had to install this thing. Right. Um, 
Left-hand side, you're going to see some sandpaper. And, uh, you know, it's funny when you're working in gingerbread with construction gingerbread specifically, you know, we, we tend to forget that there really are tools uh, that are typically not used for food, however, can be used for food. Now, the caveat with all this when it comes to gingerbread and, you know, you might... Um, you might win a gingerbread house sometime is keep in mind that, you know, the, the, pro the, the products that you may be winning or that you may get from somebody. Um, my guess is maybe it's not something you want to eat necessarily. And I don't mean that you would, you know, keel over, but what I mean is a lot of times when it comes to gingerbread specifically and some of the other elements, when you're building a gingerbread house, sometimes you need to let them air dry for a very long time. And what do I mean by that? Sometimes it could be upwards of days, right? Uh, that back wing or what would end up becoming my top wing on this plane, uh, because of its thickness, actually stayed relatively wet, uh, you know, just due to baking for a lot longer than I was expecting. And of course, you don't want to have things set out or keep them refrigerated, then use them and have them bend or fold or break. So you really want to set them out and have them thoroughly air dry. But of course, what happens when you air dry something, especially with food, um, it can become very stale. So eating the gingerbread, again, goes back to what I said earlier about this construction gingerbread anyway. It doesn't taste very good. Just keep in mind that sometimes these things have literally sat out for days. So whether or not you really want to eat it, well, it's strictly up to you. Me, I think it's beautiful. I, I love what people do, but I don't think I'd put a morsel of that in my mouth. And Paula, thank you. She writes, you are so creative. You never cease to amaze me. Thank you, Paula. I appreciate that. My creativity is my, is what I love, right? All right. I get the motor mounted. I mount that motor with that chocolate that Christine recommended. And I tell you what, it worked perfectly. The challenge, of course, here was how was I going to run those wires through the plane? Which again, I didn't think about that. I should have put a hole in the back, but I didn't. I ended up running the wires below the airplane and then hiding some of it um, with the overall scene. And it worked out. Um, but you always have to be resilient with this stuff. You have to be you have to be able to think on your feet a little bit. You know, this gingerbread isn't exactly the most, you know, the most important thing in the world. I get that. But again, it's a microcosm for really how we, we should be looking at life, right? Don't be afraid to be flexible. Don't be afla afraid to change the plans a little bit and, and, and think creatively because believe it or not, um, anything is possible with a little creative thought. I painted... Well, I used the word painted. I frosted. I frosted the plane with white, um, I think it's Pillsbury frosting. Now, earlier when I said that you would set the, set that, you know, that the gingerbread would set out to dry out, it would then get stale. Uh, it's no different from the frosting. Um, if, if you've ever used canned frosting, you know that number one, it's, it's, uh, it's a very wet frosting. And typically you would, you know, put it on your cupcakes, take it to the picnic and people would eat it. Um, in my case, that's not the case. It's using it as basically an undercoat. So it's painting the plane and then letting it air dry for maybe a day or so. And just so you know, this whole project probably took about four or five days in total to put together. So it's not, it's not something that, that I threw together right away. It actually took a while going over multiple days for this. So that, that was the painting process. And then um, it just so happens a number of years ago, um, 
we ended up purchasing a food grade airbrush kit, which believe it or not, sat in our cupboard for that entire time because at the time Christine was going to focus on cake decorating. And of course we ended up moving and, 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 you know, things change. So we ended up with this airbrush kit. So I thought, why not give it a try? And I tell you, it actually was really, really good. The, 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 um, the food grade food coloring was basically used as the paint and using the airbrush. Um, we ended up painting the entire thing. Uh, and it worked very, very well. Uh, I was actually very surprised. So it was a really quick and easy way of, of you know, giving my design some color uh, without having to perhaps hide it with fondant or something like that rolled very thin, which of course could take away some of the detail. There we go. And if I could get this thing to go, here we go. This is a, I'm working on multiple monitors here and sometimes the things don't work. All right. We worked on a two foot, two, uh, two foot by two foot board, covered it up with tin foil. I, I glued on the push me box to the lower right hand corner of this two foot, two, two by, oh my God, I can't talk. Two foot by two foot board. And then of course used, uh, you know, the classic Rice Krispie treats uh, to create some, you know, a little bit of a, uh, visual interest, uh, which would become mountains covered with snow or hills or, or land covered with snow, because I decided to make my plane a seaplane. I was originally just going to make it a regular plane with regular wheels, but I thought, you know what? I think having it in water would be kind of cool because, you know, blue water against that red would make it stand out a little bit more. And that's exactly what I ended up doing. So this picture here is of the board. It's probably 90% covered. Uh, I used uh, blue tinted frosting for the water. I added in some Christmas trees, which were made out of, um, you know, those uh, uh, pyramid shaped ice cream cones. I don't know what they're called. Ice cream cones, I guess are what they're called. Covered those up with green frosting. And then of course, put in some pretzel rods for the, um, for the things that are sticking out of the water, like um, uh, the wood poles. And of course, for that, um, Oh, the thing that sticks out in the water that people walk on, the, uh, the dock, right? The dock is made out of pretzel rods and some very horribly tasting sugar-free uh, chocolate wafers. Really, really bad. I, they were terrible. However, the idea wasn't to eat them. It was to use them as supplies. But, you know, when you're making something, you can't help but eat stuff. Uh, so we put that together. And then I made a little guy, a little Santa Claus to put in my plane. And for that, I used, um, uh, what is it called? It's the um, stuff made out of almonds, marzipan. And the interesting thing, because I've never worked it with marzipan before, is a couple things that I didn't like about it. First thing is that it's not white. It's not by default white. And never in my life have I seen white food coloring. So to be able to change that to white, I couldn't do. And the second thing was because of the heat of my fingers, uh, it, it, it started to melt the oils in there and I didn't care for that either. So I don't think I would ever use marzipan again. Uh, plus I'm not really a sculptor when it comes to little people. I mean, he turned out cute. Yeah, I'll give you that. Uh, but I wasn't particularly crazy about it. I think next year, maybe if I'm going to do any kind of little people, I'd probably use, you know, either modeling chocolate or fondant or something like that. Cause I think that, uh, is a little more, a little more giving. And I think the flexibility is a little more than it is with the marzipan. And then finally, 
Um, there's a kind of a close up. I did finally put the upper wing on and I was totally scared with that because I was really afraid that the weight of the upper wing against that lower wing was going to cause issues, especially driving from this side of Dracut to the other side of Dracut. The road we live on has more potholes than you can imagine. And I was afraid this whole thing was just going to fall apart, but it stayed together. And I was very thankful for that. And then of course, this is the model the model. This is the the gingerbread design at the contest on this last Saturday. Here, of course, is me standing next to it. And um, yeah, so the question is, where did I place? Well, I ended up winning. So I ended up taking first place in the adult category, and I was very happy for that. Christine took second place. So this is the, I think it's the third, third year in a row, fourth year in a row that we placed uh, within the within the top two, which is amazing. So this year's competition in Drake it was was off the charts. Uh, last year, I think we only competed against maybe two or three other um, other uh, designs in the adult category. This year, there was you know between twelve and fifteen entries. So this wasn't an immediate give me by any stretch. This was a competition through and through because uh, some of the things that the people did were just amazing. Um, I'm thankful that, that, that I placed the way I did. I'm thankful that Christine did as well, but credit to everybody else that put in entries this year. I think everybody did an amazing job. So, but that's my gingerbread adventure for this year. Now, as for next year, um, you know, it's always fun at the end of anything that you're competing against to think about next year, you know, what am I going to do? And of course, that same day, Christine and I were sitting there talking, going, well, I want to try this or I want to try this. But the fact is, this year, just like last year and the year before, um, the best ideas don't show up until the very last minute. And then you get super excited, super inspired by it, uh, by it and then your design manifests when it needs to. Again, another life lesson there. Um, but it was amazing time. I had, a, had great fun. It's a great start for the Christmas season, the holiday season. Um, but yeah, yeah. So that's my, my show for tonight. A uh, couple things. First, um, I will be up in North Conway, New Hampshire with Christine tomorrow night. We're going to be doing a book signing because we both wrote chapters over the last two years uh, in the Behind the Power book series, the one put together by Coach Allison Roberts. Uh, but we're going to be going up to North Conway with a couple other folks that were in the book at the White Birch Books shop in North Conway. So if you happen to be up in that area, by all chance, uh, by all by all means, step by, say hello. Uh, we're going to read a little bit out of the book and take some questions and, and sign some stuff if people are interested. Um, and then, of course, next week, I don't have anybody lined up yet. But if I don't, I promise you I'm going to come up with a great subject to talk about uh, because creativity is infinite. So, everybody, I want to thank you all. I hope you're all staying safe. And um, I will see you all next week. See ya. Thank you so very much for joining me on the Art Talk Podcast, where it's my goal to bring artists together to talk about their craft. If you'd like to join me for a conversation, please reach out via email at johncoleartist at gmail.com or by visiting my website at johnrobertcole.com. So until next time, keep crafting, painting, 
and inspiring others with your creativity, you make more of an impact than you know. See ya.